welcome to the See You Next Time podcast. I'm Rob Rodriguez, and here's with me the ASAP into my Hellboy, Billy Bullahan. Hello. Hello. Yes. Today we're going to start a new month. Guillermo del Toro, man. Finally. Thank you guys for picking this, by the way. Mm-hmm. I was not ready for what's going to be in Yari 2. <laughs> I was not okay. ready. Okay, we would have dealt with it. I know, we had dealt with it. But yes, we're doing the two Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies. Hellboy That's right. It's a it's a rare double feature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is really interesting, specifically because for me, I didn't knew nothing about Hellboy, and I had never read the comics. And I saw these two movies in theaters. Did you read the comics? I have read the comics. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, first film tries to follow it a little bit more than the second film. I can tell you that. From what I hear, the reboot actually tries is actually more comic accurate than the Del Toro movies, but they are based on uh, Mike Mignola's Dark Horse comics character. Dark Horse is not DC or Marvel. It's its own company. They have characters. They're just not, they're sort of like fringe characters, but Hellboy is probably their most popular because of these movies. Yeah, specifically because it's also interesting to know the different styles, especially when you see the reboot with David Harbour. Like, the David Harbour movie is so different compared to Guillermo. But it's also, it's kind of like a, because Guillermo put a lot of heart to it. And that the David Harbour movie was missing was missing that. Even though David Harbour is a really good actor, but the screenplay was missing a lot of heart. When you get to see the movie, you're going to notice that when you get to see it. But yeah, but we're talking about the first two movies. Um. It's also the interesting thing that I like about these two movies that is both different studios. The first one is at Sony and the second one is at Universal. And it's really cool. Like not a lot of movies like their sequels was made by another studio. It's really interesting. It reminds me of like uh, the crazy thing about, uh, about Jason that some, some of Jason's movies are on Paramount. One Jason movie is at Warner Brothers. I think one Jason movie is at Lionsgate. It's really complicated, the whole writing about Jason. <laughs> yeah, that's a big old can of worms we don't really have time to get into, but it is it is interesting to uh, look into if you have the time. Yeah. But yeah, we start the first film in like a, in like a flashback. In, it was, I think it's 1948. Nine, 44. 44, 1944. And we meet Professor Broom. I love that his name is Broom. <laughs> well, it's short uh, for um, Bruton Home, but they just call him Broom. Ah, okay. And we see that we know immediately that he was a paranormal advisor to President Roosevelt. That we see immediately that he's kind of like a, in Germany and he's like a. Did you notice the way that the church was destroyed with the Nazi symbol that looked a lot? Like the church that it was destroyed in the Pinocchio movie. Yes. It was destroyed the same way. Yes, it was. I'm like, but Guillermo, was that a reference to Hellboy? I was like, I was like, I was like, damn. I, I noticed that right away. And I'm like, and then we see that we see the destroyed church. And, and then uh, I was like, uh, and I love that the Americans was like, oh, what they were here for. And I'm like, they must be here for the sheep. And I'm like, that was a good joke, Mr. Broom. That was a really good joke. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then we see, for me, one of the most interesting villains that I like about these two movies, the guy made of sand. The, 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 his name, I know that his name is Carl, but I forget the last... Uh, oh, Cronin. Cronin, yeah. Cronin, the Cronin killer that he's always like a machine. He always wears kind of like a weird handle, like a clock that he controls, like he's breathing and, and he's like uh, his sand. And the way that he has his daggers on the arms, the way that he moves and it feels like uh, he's gonna make me uh, like a uh, like a pasta, uh, like a Mongolian uh, like uh, Mongolian beef. I was like, damn. <laughs> yes, his official rank is Oberstromboffer. Mm-hmm. So he is a Nazi. Yeah, he's a Nazi. And then we met the. Yeah, I don't know if this came to your head, but I forgot about this because I haven't seen this movie since theaters. The Gregory Rasputin character is doing almost the same monologue as uh, Imhotep from The Mummy. It was like a pretty much. He's like also he's based off of the actual Rasputin. Yeah. Rasputin. Mm-hmm. It's not the same guy because obviously Rasputin died at this point in time. Like, hold on, let me do the math. Twenty seven, twenty seven years mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. And I love that he's like, no matter what happens tonight, this book will guide you back to me, Elsa. And then I'll, I'll grant you the power uh, of eternal you to serve me. And I I put it in my com- in my notes, calm yourself, Imhotep. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they have a battle and everything, Rasputin. They're trying to open up a portal for basically Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. That's another Gamer Mustafa. Is... Cthulhu oh, he, like he very much loves Cthulhu monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ogdru Jihad, and uh, let me think what happens. And then he wants to release the seven gods of chaos, and he says, I will release them, and a new Eden will arrive. And I love that we saw the focus of the lamp going, and I'm like, it's weird that the Cthulhu's are in a, like a, the danger zone, like from Superman. Uh, <laughs> oh, do you mean the Phantom Zone? Sorry, thank you, the Phantom Zone. I was like, they're in crystals also, too, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. And and I love that that immediately we see one of the Nazis goes into the portal. We hear the Wilhelm scream. I'm like, nice. Oh, they forgot that there was a Wilhelm scream in, in this movie. And a German person with a Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. That's that's very fitting. Mm-hmm. And then we see that Broom, between all of this, he throws one of the grenades into the portal. And the portal gets smaller, but uh, Grasputin gets sucked into the portal. And then we see that uh, we see that the the Carl Na- the the Carl Naxi, the one with the I, I was just calling Sandman. Uh, Sandman he he runs away after he got stabbed into a column like Dean from Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. And then I love that he that immediately Mister Professor Broom was like, uh, "Oh, that was Gregory Rasputin. He was drowned, castrated, and poisoned, and we saw him." All of which are uh, not true. He was just. Uh, poisoned, I believe. And then he says, like, a Santikuja came true. And then we see the little cutie that is the little Hellboy. <laughs> the little, obviously, CGI Hellboy. Yes. And they just call him Hellboy. But uh, we also learned that uh, he gets him down by the sloth method. Yes, the Goonies the sloth method. from the Goonies loves baby Ruths. Hey, so when I was a kid, I tried a baby root because I saw the Goonies. Baby roots are really good. 
baby Ruths are good. Yeah. So that's the whole, if you want to tame a big monster, just give him a baby Ruth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or in this case, a little monster. <laughs> and then it's like, and then we named him title card. Yeah. And then we go into the present day. We see uh, uh, Elsa that she goes to a mountain and then she does this blood ritual. And then we meet, I forgetting the name of this actor, and he has been in so many things, and he was in that show Transparent. Forgetting his name right now. That he's uh the guy from the FBI Manning. Oh, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, the, yeah, thank you, Jeffrey Tambor. I know him from Arrested Development. Yes, is what I know him from too. Yeah, and it was like, uh, what are we? It was like uh, because we see him in a talk show. It was like, why are we those photos of Hellboys? I was like, who is Hellboy? I was like, uh, actually, and you cannot even see him. Why you take this photo? Like he's like a like a Bigfoot. He's out of focus. There's no such thing as a Hellboy. And then we go into the Bureau of Paranormal Research. The BPRD. Yeah. And then we meet BRPD. And then we meet the one of the most uh, characters of the whole movie, John Myers. The I call it Studio No. The Studio No. The from from Sony. He has barely nothing to do in the whole movie. He's just a forced low triangle between Hellboy and Selma Blair. Yeah, and also, uh, I love that Broom, the younger Broom and older Broom are cast really well because alike. the older Broom mm -hmm. is John Hurt as well, and he's got mm -hmm. like the big crazy hair and the long facial hair and stuff, and he's just like, I picked you out of 60 candidates. Please don't disappoint me. And he's just explaining, oh, yeah, we're basically Men in Black, where we... I was going to say that. It feels very Men in Black, especially when he goes yeah, down. And <laughs> I mean, it's literally the introduction to the Men in Black headquarters, where he's just like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, and we're responsible for covering up everything paranormal and, and all the conspiracy theories were true. Like when Hitler died in 1958, or with the death of Hitler in 1958, mm -hmm. and he's like, uh, Hitler died in 44, and he went, Oh, you think that? And on the way, he we meet a uh, Abe Sapien, yes, who uncredited David Hyde Pierce voice role, but mm -hmm. a Guillermo del Toro staple. Yes, one of two people that are in every single one of his movies, as far as I can tell, or are in some way involved. Um, I think Devil's Backbone was like the only one where neither of them were in it. Doug Jones is not in Devil's Backbone, I think. But uh, Doug Jones. Mm -hmm. He is the guy that always does motion capture or is in makeup. Very tall, very skinny guy. You might know him as Billy from Hocus Pocus. Yes. Is probably his most famous role outside of the, Guillermo, know, movies, yeah. the Guillermo del Toro movies. And then we see that we see that Myers goes to to he gets a lot of baby roots and we got into Hellboy's room. And I love that Hellboy's room has a lot of details that he eats a lot. It's all filled with crap of trash throughout the whole room. That he loves cats. There's like 20 cats throughout the whole thing. And then I was like, uh, and I love that Hellboy we like uh Myers grabs a Hellboy comic. It's like, ah, then I got my eyes back uh, right. And then we mean we see Hellboy, and even though this movie has uh, some problems, the first one, the practical makeup on Hellboy and Ron Perlman looks amazing. And that brings me to Ron Perlman. He is yes. the actor that has collaborated with Guillermo del Toro more times than anybody. He's in almost all of his movies in some capacity. Just remember that. 
And especially so cute the story of how he they can meet each other because of Kronos. Exactly. He was the mm -hmm. one American in Kronos as well. That also Rampermo was one of the first people that believe in Guillermo. That's also really cool. It's about the origin about their friendship though. Because they're actual friends and they just mm -hmm. love working together. And then we see like a, we hear the alarm of like a, oh well, now now we have to go to work and then I forgot about this also in the first movie that they played the scream song Red Right Hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Hellboy, the way he acts, they even explain it. They're like, he doesn't age like we do because this was like cut 60 years later. And they're like, by our counts, he's barely entered his 20s. Mm -hmm. So he's very much into his I don't give a crap phase. He's very rude. He does not care it seemingly does not care about anybody and dude is jacked mm -hmm. and ron perlman's already a pretty big guy and also it's always the focus about the horns because it feels like he shapes his horns yeah he files them down and then we see that guy and then we go into the museum and then Alcaza, we love it we see that guy always uh cowboy always gets the biggest gun and I love that that gun is always the focus in between both movies that he loves his biggest gun. And I love that uh, that Abe was like, uh, oh, but I was like, uh, Hell was like, I could be outside, I could be with her. And uh, and then it was like, well, you can. She left us, Red. And that's the thing. A lot of people call Hellboy Red instead of Hellboy. Well, I mean, it's just easier to say it. And he is Red. I would mm -hmm. call him Santa, though. Mm -hmm. You get it? Because he's big and red. <laughs> but yeah they go to do their job and i love how again back to men in black even the music is similar the dun, dun, when they're at headquarters mm -hmm. and shit this is a thing that i feel i'm like i wonder if guillermo did this on purpose the museum scene felt a lot like the movie the relic yes like i like showing the museum and then seeing the creatures and i'm like were you making a comment because Mimic was compared to the relic because Harry Weinstein told you to make it like the relic? Because the whole thing, and I'm like, Guillermo, we it would not be lost <laughs> on him. I mean, he's smart enough to do that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they go and they find this demon, Samael. And mm -hmm. that. That looks like a Cthulhu monster. Of course. Too. And we get a big action scene, which ends with a one liner because he electrocutes it to death. So yes. much that it bursts into flame, and Hellboy just... He, oh, yeah, he also loves cigars. Yes. He's consistently smoking. And he, his fist is a giant stone fist, his right hand. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind as well. But... Uh, uh, now I can see why he put out that song, the red mm -hmm. right hand. And it, that was on the he note. just goes, I'm <laughs> fireproof. You're not. Another thing about Ron Perlman is he's got massive chin yes as well i mean the fact that he looks like hellboy mm -hmm. there's a reason why david harbour who also has like that massive chin was cast as hellboy in the reboot and he was santa too and he was also santa bring it back to santa <laughs> yes and then and then after that we we he tells myers i was like tell dad that i'm not gonna i'm gonna be home late and then we cut into the mental institute and we see one of my teenager crushes. Yeah, Liz. Literally in this movie. Oh, I mean, like, Sema Blair, I'm like, I watched the Hellboy movies. I watched that Charlie Sheen anger management show just because of Sema Blair. 
<laughs> and we're like, uh, oh, she's so good. And then we see that um, I love we we see the random people that it was like there's a redman down there, and I love that the nurse was like, that's not Santa, that's will be in another month. And I love that Sam like goes outside and Cowboy is like, I brought beer. Uh, like, uh, and then we see going back to the museum, we see the professor Brummel tells me, Hey, well, like, show me what happened. And I love that Abe has this thing of like touching, he can touch anything, he can know the memories of every even an anatomy objects. That's a really cool thing about the power of Abe Sapien. And he touches part of the museum and he can see the whole flashback what happened. We see the Rasputin freeing the Samuel Beast. And the Samuel Beast has a really interesting... It reminded me that thing from the Hercules Disney movie. Oh, the Hydra. That you cut one, one of the heads, two more pop up. So I think if you kill one of the creatures, another two Samuels are going to pop up. And that's because of Rasputin. And, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we also learned that uh, Broom is dying. Yes. And then we see that Liz, she's uh, she her power is she's a she can uh, to do fire. And even though it doesn't look that good, the special thing in the first movie, but I love the detail that first like is blue, blue fire, and then it goes into red. I like that kind of like little detail how Liz, even when she has a nightmare, she has a thing that she cannot control fully. Essentially, she's fire yeah, starter. Like, yeah, like a. And I I love that. Like, uh, when they see the little thing that was in Hellboy, one of the little weird, like, pen cinch things, like a little alien that was sucking part of his arm. I was like, uh, oh, then this Ape Sapien was like, this is really weird. This thing touched you for like three seconds and laid three eggs. And a lot of the Hellboy says, he didn't even buy me a drink. <laughs> He's very good with the one-liners. dry one-liners. Mm-hmm. And they make for great trailer moments. And we see the Rasputin, uh, Rasputin uh, kisses Liz's in, Liz in the forehead. And we see a flashback that worse as a nightmare exposition that she she couldn't control her powers. And by accident, she decorated a Chernobyl in her small town that she killed some children. And that's when we see that beautiful special. Like, the special it doesn't look that good, but I like the detail of the blue and the red and how it burns up the whole room. And she technically destroys Oh, it doesn't just burn up that whole she room. She the whole institute, yeah. Yeah, so she's literally a walking time bomb. Mm-hmm. So that's why she went to that institute as well. And that's why Hellboy's mm-hmm. in trouble, because Hellboy's got himself a little crush on her. I mean, she's Selma Blair. I understand. So you say that this section of the comics could have been called How to Stop a Nuclear Woman? Like in Heroes? How to Stop a Nuclear Man? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't brought you up Heroes reference in a while. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> but we they conclude that all the eggs for Samael are in the sewer. So they go to the sewer, and that's where Abe comes in, because being a whole fish man. By the way, Abe is not his real name. He was found in by the Ford's Theater, like by the river, on the night that Lincoln was assassinated. Since that's why they call him Abe. That's a really interesting, like, the way that uh, he has his name. And then we see, he gave me the vibes. And I know it's not a really good movie, but that was the first Alien movie I ever saw. He gave me vibes of Alien Resurrection. And Ron Perman was in that, like, the swimming scene between all of the aliens. Just the thing with swimming. I mean, he's not swimming, because obviously he's big and everything. But uh, I totally get that. 
Oh yeah, and I I don't know if I mentioned it, but uh, David Hyde Pierce is the voice of Abe yeah. for some reason. I mean his Niles. his voice does work, and mm-hmm. yeah, Niles from Frasier. Mm-hmm. But the story behind that is like he went in to do the lines, and he heard Doug Jones' performance, and he just said, "Why am I here?" Mm-hmm. And Guillermo fought very hard to try to have Doug Jones, like his actual voice in the movie but the studio wouldn't want him and he mm-hmm. was just like oh man i'm sorry i tried but that's why in the next movie it's just doug jones mm-hmm. which is cool because you never get to hear him talk not really especially in guillermo movies he's always yeah. the guy in the makeup and he mm-hmm. works a lot he's kind of like a mime yeah and also that the other thing guillermo likes to do a lot of practical like creatures the only practical creature in this whole movie is the Samuel creature. And the other ones are CGI. It's really Well, okay, but Hellboy and Abe are also... Hellboy and Abe, yes, but I'm talking about the villain side. Yeah, whenever he can, he will use practical effects. Mm-hmm. That's the sign of a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they have a whole sequence there. A lot of uh, red shirts are killed. Yes. And the we also sequence. get uh, Jeffrey Tambor back, who is... Him and uh, Red just don't get along at all. But then to keep reminding us that Myers is in this movie, he's a he's essentially his nanny, and everything he takes Liz out for coffee, and of course Red gets angry at that and stalks them because of course, and he ends up having a heart to heart roof conversation with a kid because everybody knows he's like Bigfoot, where everybody or it's just like. There's that thing that everybody just knows exists, you know, like that aliens exist, but they never make it official. Also, it felt very like Batman Begins in that rooftop, the way that they're talking, but it was not, it was not in a broomy way, in a groove, like groomy way, like a Christopher Nolan. But also we skipped like the subway scene because I do like the little detail when he's finding this, one of the Samuel creatures and there's a beautiful box of kittens. And he was like, no, I'm going to rescue the kittens. And then he's like, he loves he cats. He loves cats. And he's holding the box and fighting the monster with his, with his, with his um, red arm, his big ass arm. And I'm like, damn it, I like, I like that little detail. <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, because uh, the Cronin knife guy yeah, the was able to. One of the other red shirts. Yes, and he fakes his death because he can just mm-hmm. disassemble himself and put himself back together. Mm-hmm. It's really weird, but he's able to sneak himself into the bureau and mm-hmm. just wreck shop. I'm also re- I'm gonna daddy. He looks pretty cool when they took off the mask. Looks creepy now. Like this looks like Guillermo designed this. I mean, even Broom says his blood dried up like fifty mm-hmm. years ago. He's literally a machine at this mm-hmm. point, and he's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. Evil. <laughs> What does happen is Rasputin also appears there and mm-hmm. he gives Broom a future showing that Hellboy is the bringer of the apocalypse. That's a very, that's a recurring thing in these two movies. But uh, Broom doesn't care because he just says he'll always see Hellboy as his son because he is his adopted father. That's why he's always calling him father and stuff. It's really, it's really, he really does love him. Too. It doesn't even matter. He's just like, yeah, that's my son. Mm-hmm. 
and I love that Rasputin has the, it was like, I know his name. Would you like to know it? And then I, I love that Bruce says, no, I call him son. And I'm like, it reminded me a lot of Bobby from Supernatural. They're my kids. So I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and then <laughs> but, he's like, you know what? I respect that. Mm-hmm. I'll do this quickly. And so he does. And he dies holding a rosary. Because mm-hmm. he's still religious. Very telenovela. In spite of the fact that he raised a the demon of the apocalypse. That's going to bring about the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Jack from Supernatural, yes. maybe. Um, but then Jeffrey Tambor takes over the BPRD. Mm-hmm. And like the whole funeral and the rain and everything. It reminded me for some reason of Daredevil, yes. like the movie Daredevil. You only needed John Favreau to carry the... the, 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 the... No, you needed Evanescence. Yes! With like the whole brooding on the top of the rooftop. I don't want to get here. I don't know you so well. <laughs> the whole Twilight vibe. Very much. Oh yeah, and Liz yes. came back, by the way. But mm-hmm. uh, everybody like, there's a very weird moment where everybody just turns on uh, Hellboy after he threw, he, he broke a bunch of gla- uh glass and stuff and he's like oh yeah hey liz and then everyone's like oh no that's not cool man they all just walk off and i'm like what did he do wrong that's the thing that's one of the complaints about this movie it feels very choppy it feels like they told guillermo like to edit a lot or was a lot of studio notes it's one of the two he very much did not have full control yeah. in this movie you can feel that like he's wrestling for control of this movie i mean this turns out okay mm-hmm. It's but, an enjoyable movie. Yeah, we're going to definitely... We, we use this movie mainly to talk about the second one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you cannot talk about the second one without talking about the first one, though. Exactly. And also, this is a thing that we need to talk about because this is a thing that's going to harm me for like the next years, and I'm going to try to find the original cut of this movie. We go to Moscow... Because they find the clue of how to get to the whole thing of the portal. And then we see, and I know this is a thing from the comics. When Hellboy raises one of the, the Russian corpses and he puts it on his lap. I remember when I saw this movie in theaters that that corpse says stuff and there was some subtitles in English and Spanish. And when I saw this on my 4K, the creature didn't have any subtitles. They had any, any dialogue. I'm like, I remember that creature said, I remember that creature said, oh, you're a, I remember not exact lines was like, uh, like you're stink. And I remember when the whole thing dies, I was like, oh, I got revived for this. Like he, he get like, he has to die again. I remember. The funniest line that it says is if I had legs, I'd kick your ass. Thank you. And I'm like, I was going to say the, the version that you saw had the, uh, the subtitles. My, my version did. didn't. That's interesting. Well, that's weird. Cause I watched it on your voodoo and i saw it on apple tv that's probably why maybe the apple tv didn't did the subtitles for the creature once again we were having a conversation before we recorded just go with voodoo voodoo's great i know but you were using it if you remember that time that we used the voodoo at the same time it stops the movie for both of us yeah that's true but the good thing that we both have different voodoo accounts mm-hmm. i'm catching up to you i'm catching up to you it's it might take a bit of time but uh Slowly but surely. I would just need like to spend a shit ton of money. I went with the physical though. 
that's probably why is because you get a bunch of digital codes from physical movies and also the thrift store hey good and also thank you for my new job too i get a lot of free movies too mm-hmm. <laughs> but what does happen after this um i think the that, whole pendulum uh, thing when they go into like the bridge and uh we see that man he was like uh, no you're gonna listen to me and i'm gonna be fucking giving orders as to him. he's so annoying in this movie i know i was like what the fuck is going on with jeffrey tambor he was more enjoyable in the second one i mean he definitely didn't use the money in the banana stand if you if you watch the rest of development, you know what I'm talking about. The only thing that I know just remember, from- there's always money in the banana stand. I, the only thing that I know from the rest of development, I was like, here you go, go you still buy a star, go to get a Star Wars. Go go see a Star War. <laughs> That's Lucille. Uh, rest in peace, uh, uh, Lucille. Mm-hmm. And then oh yeah, it's a whole like then- labyrinth, and mm-hmm. I love that he's just like, oh, we'll be fine so long as we're not separated. Immediately get separated. They get separated, yes. I'm like, look out. It's the anvil of irony. And then you see a big ass a pendulum that looks like an anvil destroying the bridge. It's and like I- that joke was almost done on purpose. Mm-hmm. And then we go into the the Sandman's place. And I love all of the spikes, the spice hallway that it feels like that thing from Sleepy Hollow. Which makes you wonder, why why does he have those? But you know what also reminded me, though? That that little room reminded me like the way that Guillermo filmed that. It felt like the the studio was not on his ass on that scene. Reminded me a lot of the guy with the fairies in Pan's Labyrinth. Remember that that hallway was also really stretchy, also the same way. This came out before Pan's Labyrinth. And this is before Pan's Labyrinth because I have noticed that this is a trend that we're gonna notice in every single movie we're gonna see from Guillermo. Guillermo gets referenced himself in other movies too. He does. He's very self-congratulatory, yeah. but he's very subtle about how he does it. And then we see that we see that Hellboy fights the, the Sandman. And then he, uh, Hellboy's like, you killed my father. Your ass is mine. And then he throws him into this big, weird, like, trap of a lot of spikes, like in Indiana Jones. And then he throws, like, a one of big, big pedal metal piece that looks like a part of a clock. Oh, the cog? Yeah, the cog. Thank you. And then throws that away. And then we go into Leslie Myers. They find one of the caves full of the eggs of the Samel's uh, uh, monsters. And then I love that Leslie's like, uh, Red, get your big red butt over here. And when you said a trailer line, I remember hearing that in a trailer. Get your big red butt over here. Yeah, and again, this movie has like a, or not again, but again for us, because we were talking before this. This movie has like a weird blue cobalt filter. Mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing and also it looked very like grainy but in a, not in a good way it looked like a grainy tv from the 90s yeah very two thousand. yeah it's very it's very 2000s this is during the 2000s comic book movie phase not necessarily a good thing but it makes it uh part of the time like daredevil the first Catwoman. few x-men movies Daredevil spinoff, Electra, Catwoman. Oh God, we're never gonna cover that movie. No, we are not. Stop, stop it. We are not covering that piece of crap. That's the one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I need to, I need to talk about about Sharon Stone's evil plan. Well, you can do that somewhere else. We're not doing it here. <laughs> what does happen is Liz goes full 
reactor nuclear. and goes full mm-hmm. nuclear and just incinerates everybody. And I love that she says to Myers, she just goes, you might want to stand back. And he just hides behind a yeah. pillar because he follows Independence Day logic where the flames will not touch him. And <laughs> he's <laughs> Boomer. And... The fucking dog. It was like you couldn't bring up the dog, right? It was like, God damn it. And then apparently it's so bad that everybody just loses consciousness at the same time, and Rasputin. Myers will live. <laughs> and Rasputin captures them. And while that yes. happens, uh, Rasputin sucks the soul out of Liz. Mm-hmm. Damn. And tells Hellboy to release the Ogdru Jihad in return for her soul. And he's like, All right. This is his real name. Anung Unrama, which mm-hmm. translates to there is a translation for his name, and mm-hmm. that is and on a, and upon his brow is set a crown of flame. That sounds cool. Pretty badass name. Oh yeah, and his horns grow fully. Uh we see that with the whole crown appears on fire. It looks cool on Ron Perman, but I'm gonna say this. I saw the reboot. The reboot has a lot of problems. But the crown in the version of David Harbour looked way better, though. Because it felt like you're watching a metal co- cover album, uh, like a cover from a metal album. Oh, my God. That sh- movie is bad. But that scene in London when all those people are dying, I was like, if it weren't for that scene, that movie would have sucked. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what he's talking about. I so when you get to it. see that movie, you're going to see what I'm talking about. It was like, this feels like a Raul scene. <laughs> you're gonna see oh, damn. Um, but then we go we see the eclipse uh, the eclipse happens and opens the portal we see the Cthulhu monsters arriving oh yeah cause his fist also acts as the key yes also reminding me a lot of the mummy returns <laughs> like uh, opening with the scorpion thing the scorpion key and, uh, like, uh, and then Myers the only purpose that he had in the whole movie he's like remember who you are Hellboy and he tripped he throws one of the crucifix of Professor Broom the the rosary the rosary yeah thank you the rosary and then we see that Hellboy this feels like a studio note because if Guillermo would have wrote this it felt like maybe Hellboy was gonna be evil for like five ten minutes instead of like less than a minute he goes good really fast it's very weird. This movie has very uh, strange pacing. Character and decisions. Character decisions. You can tell that, again, it's two people fighting for the same vision. Mm-hmm. And, and then, talking about, we were talking about this before recording. It feel like Sony was on Guillermo's ass, like, like Spider Man 3 on Sam Raimi's ass. Oh, gee, Sony uh, trying to take over. It's mm-hmm. not like they've never done that before. Uh-huh. It's not like they didn't learn their lesson like mm-hmm. after numerous times. And then we see- can name very specific examples, but I'm not going to. And then we see that the Hellboy cuts his horns. Uh, and then we see that no, he just breaks them he off. He breaks them off. And then uh, we see the Cthulhu's going back to space. And then Hellboy starts Rasputin with one of his horns. But then Rasputin, when he dies, his body liberates another big ass Cthulhu. We see that the Cthulhu kills the other part of Rasputin that is still alive in Elsa. And I'm like, why are you here? Like, the Cthulhu's have more presence than Rasputin and Elsa. I was like, <laughs> and then... You, you tend to ask yourself that question for the majority of people in this yeah. movie. Except for Hellboy, Liz, Abe. We only care about them. Broom. And Broom, yeah. That's it. 
you don't care about anybody else and then and that's the thing i think this is the heart of the movie that's why we still like it because we care more about the heroes and the villains well yeah but it's it's good characters that we care about mm -hmm. and liz was not in the comics either that i did in new year remember you told me that mm -hmm. yeah so they sort of manufactured a weird love interest despite the fact that she's human and he is a demon from hell mm -hmm. but he's fireproof and she is uh pyrokinetic so they're a match made in hell and it's kind of hot though see what i did there all right but yeah um it turns into a giant monster and he allows himself to uh oh yeah uh myers takes liz and then he whispers something to her but then goes back and is like oh yeah we have another belt full of grenades because we used one of them we didn't use one of them to destroy the eggs of uh the semi-ill monster and uh, he allows himself, like yeah. Men in Black, to be swallowed, and then he detonates the grenades and blows it up. Oh my god. So we're saying that this... This movie has more in common with Men in Black than it does actual Hellboy. So we're, we're making a theory right now that maybe the Sony studio knows is for the movie to look like Men in Black in Guillermo did wanted that? Pretty much. I mean, it's the same studio. Yeah. And... Then, yeah. oh no, that's when he whispers something in Liz's ear. And then she's just like, but how did that happen? Mm. And he goes, well, you know what I said? I said, hey, you on the other side, let her go. Because for, mm. for her, I'll cross over. And then you'll be sorry. And then it ends with them in a flamey kiss and everything. And it's like, yay. And then cuts to the credits. Cuts to the credits. All right, let's talk about what we actually wanted to talk about. Yes, what we're talking about. Hellboy yes. 2, The Golden Ooh. Army. Take oh away. God. Take it away. Hellboy 2, damn. Also, we had to put the, we had to see the elephant in the room. This is interesting that he went to Universal. Universal is the one that approved the sequel, not Sony. Hey, this is really interesting, too. And also, even though these movies are successful between nerds, these movies were not big box office kits. They no. Were, they were not. Especially this movie. I mean, mm -hmm. this movie made more, but its budget was also bigger. Mm -hmm. I remember... Right after the, the thing that you told me, and I forgot about that. This is two years after Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, this came out the same year as Iron Man. And I remember the whole summer of 2008, Speed Racer was another one. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There was a lot of big... The Dark Knight. There's a lot of it's big like budget... Um, awesome summer movies that came out of it. And a lot of them did not do well. A couple of the movies I just mentioned did not do that well. Mm -hmm. Because also The Dark Knight made so much money, though. I think it was on, like, the... On the, the Dark Knight and Indiana Jones made money. Everything mm -hmm. else just didn't. This is one of those things that was just shuffled. Yeah, because... Iron was not a big hit. I remember that Iron was not a big hit. It was. was like it, it made like some money, but not like really yeah. enough to justify the cost. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, let's just talk about the whole, what I like to call this, Pan's Labyrinth 2. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. It's a really good note. It is Pan's Labyrinth 2. And we start in a flashback in 1955 in a replace, and then we see that Hellboy and I like the detail of the makeup of the teenager. It looks like Ron Perman too. I like that little detail on the makeup. And he's watching Howdy, Howdy Doody. 
And I was like, I stopped watching that puppet show, says Professor Broom. I was like, it's not real, but it's real to me, says, says Hellboy. Oh, yeah, and they got John Hurt back, so that's a good way to get Broom <laughs> back into the movie, even though he's canonically dead. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I want a story, please. I was like, and then I'll brush my teeth, please. And I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Align the father tree. He had all of this beautiful world that had trolls and fairies and a lot of things. And then men, men was always born with a hole on, on their hearts. They couldn't be filled with love. They only wanted the power of greed. Men needed to dominate. And there was King Balor. He saw the war and blushed because it was the war between men and uh, the, the the creatures, right? The, the fairies and all, everyone else. And I like the focus on the puppets. That is all wooden puppets. And the little flashback, and we see all of the war in that. Also, I like that the whole scene in that puppet, in that puppet battle is all in red, completely in red. And I'm like, I was like, did it feel like Guillermo was doing a commentary on one of those like war movies, like uh, those propaganda war movies? Because it felt very propaganda. The way that it probably he... was. Yeah. And then Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part One stole it mm-hmm. for their uh, for their little fairy tale. I guess this was just the way to do fairy tales. Anyway, the magical creatures are driven back to the forest by the humans, and then the goblins come and they're like, "We will make you." The title army, the golden army, is an indestructible super army that cannot be destroyed. And then he was encouraged by his son, Prince Nuada. Mm-hmm. And King Balor accepts. And then they pretty much destroy almost all of humanity. Mm-hmm. But the king feels remorse, and then they make a truce. Mm-hmm. That, they, that the humans will keep to the cities and the magical creatures will stay in the forest. And the crown to command the golden army can only be won, worn by one of royal blood. And it's split into three pieces, of course. Mm-hmm. And then the prince leaves in exile. And then you, when he has split it up, you can hear David, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and there was like, and then prisoner was like, he didn't believe in the deal. And he vowed to return when their people needed him the most. And then... And then we cut back into 1955, and I was like, those guys can be real, right? I was like, well, son, you will find out, says Professor Room. In Hellboy 2, the Golden See, Army. Golden Army. And we, I love that we see the whole intro with the, all of the cocks in the machines, and then reveals the Hellboy logo. I was like, that was pretty cool. And then I think this is the most interesting introduction. I forgot how good this scene is. When we get the introduction of Prince Noara, practicing with his spear in the rain and it feels like a 2007 ss video like electra in uh the daredevil <laughs> movie just <laughs> finding all the sandbags and the sigh wake me up anyway this guy loves just twirling around his sword and spear in the water into that looks cool though the slow-mo just to show hey this guy is really intense but he kind of looks like I don't know, like, if Prince really let himself go. You know what it reminded me? It reminded me, like, the way that he, his style of fighting and everything, it reminded me a little of The Crow. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of The Crow, but also it felt like Lucio's Mouthful, but with, uh, with abs. <laughs> yeah. And wider. Anyway, we have our dark moment where they go to an auction house because one of the pieces of the crown is there. And it's him and his henchman, who is this big troll 
with this uh retractable big or like fist giant metal hand mm -hmm. that can be retract uh that's retractable because it's like attached to a chain mm -hmm. and stuff it's pretty cool and i love that we see and then it's an auction and we see the crown of the tomorrow that's the name of the kingdom and then uh, Prince Noara shows, I was like, I have to claim what is mine. And I was like, uh, and then he, Noara, tries uh, the auctioneer like a weird octopus that goes into his face and then an eye pops in his, in his mouth. I'm like, I wonder what happened next because this feels like if this was going to be R, but they cut a little bit. Because also we see Noara killing some guards and we cut right away into black. Like we don't see the blood or not even the hit. Well, you got to keep it PG-13. Yeah, to keep it PG-13. That's the other thing that it feels in these two movies. That's the problem. Even though I like Hellboy 2 more, it feels like Guillermo got a lot of restraints not to go R. Oh, yeah, for sure. You feel like he was sort of handicapped in that regard. But what he does do is, well, they both unleash these little creatures. And we don't know what they look like, but uh, it's quite hilarious. And hindsight but the little little like the little goblins from chamber of secrets pretty much yeah uh turns out they are <laughs> tooth fairies <laughs> actually and it's not like oh the little tooth fairy no, no no these things are like the mummy returns those little guy the the pig the the pig pixies or whatever oh the biggest piece yeah i know what you're talking about yeah yeah or like the the, 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 the pixies from the second harry potter movie but they mm -hmm. come and they literally eat everybody alive till there's nothing left. But yeah, that's where we get introduced to uh, Hellboy, Selma Blair mm -hmm. with a much better haircut. It looks like Eon yes. Flux for some reason. She looked more like Eon Flux than Charlize Theron did. Theron, yeah. And she pulls it off way more. Oh yeah, and Abe. But this time actually mm -hmm. voiced by Doug Jones. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Hellboy does not care about keeping himself secret and anything. They're just like, yeah, no, just try to be subtle. And he's like, I can be subtle if I want. Yeah, him and Liz are also having fights and all that stuff. They pretty much are a married couple. And I love that Manning, we get the introduction of Manning again with Jeffrey Tremor. I was like, look at all of these photos. He doesn't even try anymore. He's even posing in this last one in his autograph <laughs> with the photos and everything. I want to know. Uh, if next time I go to a convention and Ron Perlman's there, if he has that photo, that would be cool. That is what I would want signed mm -hmm. is that photo of Hellboy posing in Hellboy 2. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the photo that I will get is him with the Tecate. <laughs> that would be cool. And then we, and then Manny was like, I hate YouTube. And I love the list, uh, with their files, like she's pissed because she has no space. I was like, look at this. I was like, all of the trash. You don't pick up anything red. And I was like, and then I was like, we see that we see the cats. I was like, and then he was like, you have space. You have a toothbrush. And then we see that her toothbrush is in kid in cat food. She's like, yeah, red. I have space. You know, everybody has that those days. Anyway, they go to investigate the uh, auction house. The, the auction house. And I love that Ava said, like, yeah, they're two fairies, but they eat organs. They eat organs, but they eat the teeth first. But then Abe touches Liz by accident, and he's like, you're pregnant. Yeah, because all the Tooth Fairies start coming in, and they kill a lot of red shirts as well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of pretty awesome, because there's only one part where you could see them just being like, 
turned into almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it's also something that we skip about the first one. Like the Guillermo, I also feel like a student, like giving us real random jokes of all of the red shirts before they got killed off. And this one, he's like, I don't give a crap about the other angels. I only care about the main cast. It felt like uh, I can do whatever. More I'm focus on character, fo- yeah. I'll focus on the oh, character. yeah, and we learned that Myers got poochied, and he... <laughs> he went back to his home planet. Well, he, the, you got him transferred to Antarctica. Oh, uh, he likes the cold anyway. Okay, cool. We didn't really care about him, so it's no big loss. And then after the big action sequence, which, like you mentioned, Abe learns that Liz is pregnant. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, that she also does her signature move of bursting everything in oh, fire. And I love that she's like, you might want to stay away from the windows. He doesn't listen. And then he's like, he also says in this movie, oh, crap, a couple of times. Many times, yeah. Yeah, he just goes, oh, crap. And then he gets flown out the window, scream for defenestrates a car, just gets right up, and then they're all just like, oh, Hellboy, Hellboy. And now he's revealed himself publicly. And in front of Manning, because he lands in front of Manning on the on the patrol car. And like he even does a post, it was like, well, we're out already. So like, we cannot control this anymore. And then we see Prince Noara going to one of the like the troll markets. And I was like, you have to surrender your weapon, Prince. And then I was like, uh, and then when they was like, uh, get the sword to the neck of the Chamberlain. And I like the detail that the Chamberlain really like the interesting neck. It also felt very dumb. Also played by Doug Jones. Played by Doug Jones in the way that it's like really long neck. Um, it reminded me of those characters from the, the whales from Clone Wars. Like the way that it has that long neck, but it's a little chubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. The face reminds me of the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole golden backgrounds and stuff is very much like the fantasy world. Because this is where Guillermo shines is in the focus on the brown. Yes, a lot of brown. The brown a lot of brown. But it's not yellow. muted. Mm-hmm. It's not like muted. shining mm-hmm. like gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really shines in fairy tales and fantasy. Yes. He can do other stuff, but this is where he... This is his wheelhouse. And I love that... We meet the, pre- the princess. We meet, yeah, the princess. Nuala. Nuala, yeah. And, and then, they both uh, indicate... Very quickly in this movie that both Nuada and Nuala have like a sort of incestuous thing. It's very weird. Does it think that I was... The way that he talks to her and touches her face and everything it's very weird it's very weird and the other thing i i don't think that the movie technically confirm it though yeah but the actors did yeah the actors are like mm. and then we see that noara goes to visit his father i was like uh prince after what you did you broke the truth i was like they already did father they're greedy they broke it by doing their parking lots and malls and cities I was like, we have to reclaim our land. I'm going to liberate the Golden Army. And we see that the prince was like, you have to let that army sleep. We need to fade. And then the king was like, I sent this you to death, prince. And I was like, do you, sister, accept accept your king's uh, ruling? And she's like, yes. And then we see this really cool fight scene. The guards that they had like a 
bird, like uh, a bird head, like a really big ass bird. It reminded me of Silent Hill. The way that he filmed it, I'm like, and I remember I heard a rumor that Guillermo had a, a Silent Hill game that it was being developed, but then it got canceled. Oh my God, imagine a Silent Hill game, Guillermo del Toro movie. Damn. There's so many projects that del Toro has been attached to, both television and movies that have been canceled. Mm-hmm. If he just, because making something takes a long time. Yeah. And he is very meticulous and is very good on detail. So he takes a lot of time with his projects. Unfortunately, I think he has too many projects. Too many. That man is so busy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And again, not with with just movies, but TV as well, because he's produced a lot of things as well. Yeah, he did this train and I forgot the other show recently. And then we see that uh, we see that the prince stabs the king and the king turns into kind of like a beautiful white rock. Like a marble. I like a marble that looks like from church. Oh, yeah. And we also learned and that if the prince gets hurt, the princess gets hurt. Gets hurt, too. So their lives are, like, connected. And also because they're twins. Something about incestuous twins and fantasy. What the hell? Oh, my God. It's like poetry, right? Yeah, except this dude would immediately kill Jamie Lannister. Oh, yeah. And then we see that the prince gets the king's peace. And then we see that the princess runs away. With her piece. Because she had the last piece. Mm-hmm. And then we get introduction of... And I remember totally this when I saw this movie. Because I was started getting to Family Guy. Sigma Farland as Johan Krauss. Originally, it was going to be Thomas Kretschmann. Who was oh. the uh, Von Strucker in the Marvel movies. Oh, did I knew that? That guy. The stereotypical German guy. Mm-hmm. But Guillermo went... A different direction because um that the that Kreshman's voice and the sound effects did not mesh well so he just used seth mcfarlane instead and you know what it actually works seth mcfarlane's voice really works for this uh for kraus and i have another question is that character from the comics or is that a guillermo thing uh no he is from the comics oh cool I also like he looks like a Scooby Doo villain, but like the whole like the little bug, it looks like Mysterio. He looks like Mysterio, yeah. and uh, he is made of ectoplasm, so he's just mm-hmm. constantly in like this fog and stuff. And a lot of it, like that suit, was practical. Mm-hmm. Like they actually made like the fishbowl helmet and everything. They had to do a lot of mirror tricks to show not show the stun actors' faces. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and he resurrects a tooth fairy that tells him where to find a secret troll market under a bridge. So yes, trolls under a bridge. It's under the Brooklyn Bridge, by the way. But I love that he was like, which bridge? So you, uh, New York has a lot of bridges. And they're like, uh, well, actually, it's on the east side of the Brooklyn Bridge. And I was like, okay. And then they go there. And I love we get an introduction of one of the trolls that has a, a car full of kitties. And we know that this troll here that they they they're super afraid of canaries. And then I like Hellboy is like a oh, Kraus and less. I was like, oh my god, that troll is gonna eat the kitten. I got to stop her. I love- Oh yeah, and Kraus is very much, oh, we have to do this by the book and everything. You listen to me. Because they brought him in to be the to corral everybody, basically. Doesn't work, obviously. And also, you know what? The when they're using the those lenses to see 
the real bodies of the of the trolls and all the creatures. The body of the troll lady that was about to eat the kitten, it reminded me of the evil lady from the scary the stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. It looked a lot like it. Looks like what the Goblin King in The Hobbit should have looked like. <laughs> that also reminded me of that one Because too. Guillermo del Toro was attached to direct a uh, two-part Hobbit movie. But then they were like, mm-hmm. oh no, we gotta get faster because Guillermo loves taking his time and he's like, alright, screw mm-hmm. you, I'm out. And then they got Peter Jackson yeah. back and well... We know how that went. Yeah. I love this whole troll market. You can tell there's a lot of practical makeup and effects here and it's really cool to look at this is guillermo's cantina moment from star wars pretty much there's a lot like you have to pause it and appreciate there has to be a whole wikipedia page of every single single creature here yeah and uh while this happens abe finds the princess who has a map and immediately falls in love with her because she's like me the last of her kind. Mm-hmm. We understand each other, and we both have an I want song, probably. And also, I love that little detail about like how they touch each other, and then also she has the power to, to touch him to know about his past. And he... They're both empaths. Yeah, I was like, ah, so that's how nah, like they fall in love. And I... So do they do the Vulcan mind-melding thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that... Uh, Cowboy selling list to the radio. I was like, oh my God, you will love this, baby. We can blend in. I was like, I can have to bring you here ne- next time. And I love that Hellboy goes to, the crowds goes to two different monsters. And I like this focus of it. It feels like he was like a barber in the middle of the market and he was cutting his beard on one of the trolls. It's like, can you please tell me? Where did you find it? Have you seen this? Someone has bought it. It was like, no, I don't know anything. And then it was like, uh, and then we see this little baby on the chest of this guy that is getting the shave. It was like, uh, and there was like, uh, but yeah, he knows. And I was like, and then the Hellboy finally finds, I was like, yeah, it was Prince Nora. He bought all of them. And then uh, the Hellboy says, thank you, baby. I'm not a baby. I'm a tumor. And then he goes back into the, to the party. Reminds me of the total recall yes. thing. Uh, but what does happen is Nuala gets taken to the BPRD headquarters. Um, they they kill the ogre whose name was Wink, mm-hmm. and that all they also kill a elemental forest god. Oh, but don't forget the detail about how Hellboy and the Wink troll they fight each other against their own both fists. Oh yeah, and then Hellboy's fist obviously crushes it because it's metal. But also Hellboy, like he got hit a little bit because he had lost a tooth, so that was a good fight. Hmm. It's also that one that, that thing that a lot of sequels do of like weaken your your hero a little bit in the sequel. He gets beat up quite a bit in this movie, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate because the first movie he doesn't really get beat up. Mm-hmm. And then after the forest god, by the way, he saves a baby, and a plot point they don't ever go back to is that everybody hates him. Yeah, and like even the woman that saves the baby, she's just like, "What did you do to my baby?" And I'm like, "Really, lady? You didn't just see him do all of that?" Did nobody just see him do all of that? I'm like, wouldn't you? Ah, it makes me pissed at the humans in this movie. I know, movie. because the other thing is... Like, these people are idiots, then, if they're not paying attention. They're really idiots. And I love that the forest god is called an elemental. And I love that Hellboy, he has the baby on a hotel sign that says hotel, but he's on the H. And I'm like, uh, and I love that the princess was like, uh, 
And I was like, come on, you're not going to listen to your master because we see uh, Semaphore and Swimming, take the shot, Hellboy, take the shot, like to shoot at the elemental, the forest god. It's like, that elemental is the light of his kind. And he tells him, you, Hellboy, you could be a king. You need to stop listening to them and listen to yourself. And then we see that Hellboy that, uh, shoots the elemental, kills them, but the elemental's blood turns that whole part of the city into a forest. It looks pretty Kind of cool. like Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. And we know that Guillermo loves his enemy. He does. And we see that uh, Les defends uh, uh, Hellboy. And I was like, no, you're like, uh, I was like, leave him alone. He saved your chicken, your kid, woman. And then we see that Les shows her power because no one knew that Les had a power from the public. And so she shows it. Yeah. And she's just like, I don't want to, I don't like uh, when people stare at me and stuff. So eventually, she basically just scares everybody into just letting them go. And then they just go. But we never cut back. It brings up a good point, though, which is, like, is humanity worth saving if they're not going to be grateful for people that are different from them? And the prince brings it up a couple of times. And you know what? He kind of has a point. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that a lot of sequels Because all the humans are assholes. The humans are assholes, but that's another thing that a, good, a lot of good sequels do. Well, except for Liz, These obviously. superhero movies. We always introduce a villain that gives a good point. That's something that I have noticed in a really good sequels. Yeah, it's almost like a good character and it acts as a foil mm-hmm. to the hero where they're like yes. the same, but the villain takes it just a bit too far. It goes to that extreme and gives into that darkness and selfishness. But anyway, what we d- uh, Nuada tracks them because of the magical bond that he has with his sister. While that happens, Abe listens to Barry Manilow <laughs> And is like, I'm in love. And Red's just like, oh, Abe, you fell in love with the princess? Oh, yeah, he brings him beer. And he's just like, no, I can't. My body's a, a temple. And he's like, yeah, well, now it's an amusement park. Drink. Mm-hmm. And the drink they cut this. Yeah, and he, when he finds out, oh, Barry Manilow, I'm going to need one, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they start singing, uh, uh, I can't smile without you. I can't smile without you. I see. Like, ah. That's the thing. I love that he's made a whole song, mm-hmm. like synonymous with this movie. Yes, and that's something the best superhero you. movies can do too. Mm-hmm. Whether it's made for the film or not, there's always a song that's mm-hmm. associated with it. If it's very mm-hmm. good, and it doesn't always happen, but that's just I love that. And then between all of this, before they get drunk, we forgot that Kraus uh, challenges Hellboy. It was like, your weakness, Hellboy, is your temper. You cannot control it. And then we see that Hellboy punches Kraus into into the fishbowl. This is the third time he just straight up just punches somebody. And they just fly Superman, like Man of Steel style, all the way to the other side. And then we see that Kraus goes into air mode. And he opens all of the locker, locker, locker uh, doors to beat up uh, Hellboy. And I like the little thing that one of them stamps his face in the middle. I was like, I like that little joke over there. And then we see that Abe is about to tell Liz when they're super drunk about that she's pregnant. And then Liz says, Abe, shut up. Uh, immediately, uh, Liz wakes up in the right moment. This is the funniest part where they're just both just hammered. And he's just like, I love her, man. But then she also wants me to do the dishes. He's like, you should, should I tell her or something? He's like, no, hey, 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 man. When a woman says not to do something, it means that you do it. 
but you just you just don't tell her mm-hmm. you know and i love that they actually both pull off being kind of drunk okay mm-hmm. and then we see that they go back they go to the library and the prince starts uh fighting with the with the spear against hellboy but then stabs hellboy in the heart and then the princess and Nayo will be mortal that was like a find me the missing piece because we saw the princess earlier hiding the piece of the crown in one of the books in the library. As I find the missing piece, you will set her free. And we see that Hellboy is dying because the spear, if you touch it, it goes closer to his heart. And Lisa was like, no, please, we have to stop it. And it was like, I can't, I cannot move it. And I know that Hellboy says, I can turn my back to the world if you will stay with me. And I'm like, that's a really good quote. I like it. I was like, Aww. I will it. It was like, damn. And then we see that Abe finds the piece, but he hides it from Manning and Krauss. And they, him and... Because they're always just like, oh, we need approval for this. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get go through all this red tape. And it's stupid because they don't sense... They, they don't really grasp this, the urgency. Mm-hmm. But then... Uh, Liz actually talks with Strauss a little bit and is just like, yeah, I guess you're not human anymore. Or like, we're, we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do and it's being human. You should know that. And we don't see it, but it affects Strauss because, of course, they steal a plane like the Avengers. And then they manage to track it to the Giants Causeway in Ireland, which is a real place in Northern Ireland. They're very specific about those things. I like the weird goblin that is half goblin, half carriage. I like that little details like, oh, I'm not like, and I love that. This is like, we see passage to Betamora. I was like, well, I want something in return. Oh, that's the, that's the, the blacksmith. Thank you. I was like, I want something in return. And I was like, well, I can give you my, my shiny belt. And I love that the belt has the Hellboy logo from the comics. Yeah, that's like, the, no. that's the BPRD. Logo. And I was like, uh, I was like, I don't want that. I was like, I want that thing on his chest. I was like, uh, and I was like, uh, but I can help you. I I have someone that can help you with that, but I want that piece in return. And then we go into Betamora and talking about Lord of the Rings, it felt like the mines of Moria all empty with all of the cadavers of the whole battle. And then we meet the angel of death who is the coolest looking thing. One of the coolest damn things in the whole damn movie. All it's it has so many eyes and it's all on its wings, and then the, the black wings and then the teeth and the no eyes and the weird skull on his uh top of his head that looks like that Steppenwolf looks like and uh, Justice League. Mm-hmm. The the Snyder cut obviously, the Snyder and cut then has the mouth of Sauron for teeth yes. whenever it talks, and it's like oh. Uh, just know that Anongun Rama will bring he- the doom to humanity if he lives and that you will suffer the most from it. And she mm-hmm. just goes, I'll deal with it when I get there. And she's just immediately like, yeah, no, fuck humanity. I just want my I want my boyfriend back. And also, it's also kind of like a thing of like, uh, we're going to talk about this at the end, but it's this is like big ass foreshadowing for Hellboy 3 that never happened. Like, this is like a lot of foreshadowing with this moment right here. Like, a, it's like a setup. Yeah. And then she, the angel of death is like, I've done all I can because I just removed it. And give him a reason to live. But yeah. 
and I love that the angel that says, doesn't matter what decision he makes, I'm always going to be there. I love that thing that he says that I'm always going to be there no matter what decision or mistake he does. I'm always going to be the one picking up of his soul. And I'm like, damn. So we're saying that this thing who has showed up in Hellboy 3. Maybe. Oh, that'd be so cool. And, uh, and there was like, a, you come on, Red. Red, you have to come back. I'm pregnant. Oh, you're going to be a father. Hey. Come on, you big ape. And then he just goes, I'm going to become father. He's like, yeah. And then the goblin gets his thing. I thought you were going to do the, the hishi joke. I'm going to be a father. Hello, Golden Army. I'm going to be a father. <laughs> I'm going to be a father. <laughs> I am so happy. But only Anakin can do that. Yes. Though. That's the thing. Red can't really do that. But anyway, they, they go to the resting place of the Golden Army. Of the Golden CGI Army. Where Noato awaits them, and then... Doesn't look bad, though. No. And it's, like, all these cogs in this final chamber room. And then uh, Abe gives the last piece, and he immediately goes, you do the same for Liz. When they're Mm -hmm. like, Abe, what are you doing? Because, you know, he's in love. Mm -hmm. And then Noato awakens, because, remember, it can only be controlled by someone with royal blood. And then it's like, oh, kill them. And then we get an action sequence where they destroy a bunch of robots. Uh, or the robots regenerate. But they regenerate. So they really are indestructible. And, and it's like, oh, crap. And then we see that hell will be doing all of this. He's like, I challenge the prince the right to command this army. And then the prince was like, you're no one. And then they say, the sister was like, no, he's Anu Unrama, the son of the dark one. He can challenge you. He has the royal blood. Yeah, he's literally... he's. Name is Hellboy. And then what happened? We get an awesome fight. A lot of close calls. And we turn down the cocks of the machine. That's really cool the way that they're fighting. And ultimately, Hellboy defeats him, but spares his the life. They're fighting the Big Ben in the, in the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> yeah, very much. And he spares his life, but Nuala tries to stab him. But we see that Nuala commits suicide to stop her brother. Because even he's like, you know, I'm not going to stop. Just Matt, it just depends on which of the Holocaust you're going to be giving, either to the humans or to us. And that's another foreshadowing. And mm-hmm. you really think about it, you're like, you know what? He's kind of right. That never happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For that third movie that never happened, where it would just be the straight up apocalypse. Anyway, uh, Nuada tells, yeah, he will either have to choose humanity or the magical beings. Mm-hmm. But Abe shares, they have a Vulcan mind meld, shares his feelings, and then she's just like, ah, it was beautiful. And then they both die and turn into marble. Yes. But then he's like, all that power. And Liz is like, hell no, give it to me. And then she melts the crown. I love, yeah, she's like, don't even think about it. Yeah, I love that. Don't even think about it, no. And then she melts the crown, and it deactivates the army for good this time. And then they come out because the VPRD, of course, find them. And then all of them just quit. Mm-hmm. And it's great because they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this red tape bullshit. Um, we're just going to do whatever we want now. Screw you. And uh, then Hellboy's like, oh, yeah, we're going to be we're going to find an open space, the big house and a big yard where we can work on it. And then 
just enough room for the baby. And then she says, babies. And then she puts out two. And then he's like, his mother is a freeze frame. All right. Because he's having and... twins. Damn. Uh, and then it ends with Barry Manilow's Can't Smile Without You. Mm-hmm. And those were the Hellboy movies. Um, I'm going to repeat this. I still like the first Hellboy. Even though now I see it now as an adult, I can see the mistakes in the studio notes, but it's still an enjoyable movie. But Hellboy 2, God, this movie is memorable because I remember almost every single detail. Little details I didn't remember, like the creature stuff, but I remember like the first time I saw this in theaters. I love all of that stuff and that angel of death looks gorgeous. My God, that's the most beautiful thing in this whole movie is the angel of death. But I also love the thing that we just talked about that is more focused on characters. It's more character focused, the second one. The practical looks gorgeous. And it kind of sucks that because Mike Mignola doesn't like Guillermo's vision and also because the movies didn't make a lot of money that we're never going to have. Even though he wrote the story mm-hmm. for this movie. I know, and we're never going to have Hellboy 3. In no form, I guess. Not even comment because Mike Mignola also blocked that one too. Yeah, and it was speculated for years that this was going to be made. Just rumors. People were trying to cling on to any hope. They tried to make a big hashtag campaign. Mm-hmm. Just nothing came out of it. So we only have these two. And I remember the last time that if Pacific Rim 2 would have made money, they would have used that money to make Hellboy 3, and that didn't happen because the movie flopped Pacific Rim 2. Yeah, because this is the Pacific Rim is the very next movie that he did. And coincidentally, it's the very next movie that we're going to be talking about. It's also interesting because I love the setup that it was going to be the whole plot of Hellboy 3 was going to be like Hellboy doing his destiny of like opening hell, the whole apocalypse story arc. And he had to be darker. Like that was going to be the end of his story arc. But still, he was going to try to defend humans. And it was going to be interesting spin of like he's still being an anti-hero but even darker. I'm like, God damn it, I wanted to see that story art though. I think we all did. And that when, when they ever sit, whenever they say, hey, let's just make it a trilogy, you know that mm-hmm. that's the kiss of death. You never say that. I know. Or that, or I always call it the Power Rangers thing. Oh, this is the first movie of six. Or this is the first thing of this trilogy. Yeah, just how about you just... You can say it behind closed doors. Yeah, don't just reveal it publicly. Shut up. Don't say anything. Yeah, don't say it publicly. Um, I'll give the first movie at six. No, seven. I'll give the first movie a seven. Still pretty enjoyable. But this one, this one gets a nine and a half. Really good movie. Cowboy two. So the first one for me was a five. It's very average. I'm probably mm-hmm. not gonna rewatch it anytime soon. But the second one, I'll also go a little bit lower, uh, eight and a half. Still very enjoyable, but mm, okay. ultimately, it require it would require me watching the first one again. And, um, but this, yeah, Hellboy Two: The Golden Army is pretty awesome, and it has grown a pretty good cult following too. And I love it when stuff like that happens because Guillermo has a couple of cult favorites. 
and also that's one of the main reasons that the David Harbour movie flopped because a lot of people like the Golden Army. <laughs> oh, I remember immediately it was written off. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that could, even if it was a good movie, mm-hmm. nobody was going to see it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, those were the Hellboy movies. Yes. And next we were that we talk about going to go into Guillermo del Toro's Godzilla. I mean, Pacific Rim. Yeah, his tribute to kaiju, anime, and... Yeah, there's a lot of anime. I forgot about that. Just, mm-hmm. It's just an awesome, like, creature feature with, uh... Or, yeah, uh, and mech. Mecha stuff. I remember there was a lot of talk about that movie, but we'll get more into it next week. Yeah, next week. But you can find me as always at RoboRDC on Twitter, Instagram, and on Letterboxd at RoboRDC. Please follow the podcast on SYNS Pod on Twitter. And also please give us a nice review on Spotify, Apple, and the other ones. Thank you, Billy. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at MasterofPuns196. Every word starts with a capital letter. You can also follow me on Instagram at Billy Batson's Lightning. Nothing is capitalized. And once again, you can follow our main show, Twitter at SYNSPod, as well as give us a five-star, just write a review on Apple Podcasts, as well as just listen to us on Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spotify for Podcasters, wherever podcasts can be listened to. And as always, see you next summer. Dun, 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 dun.